0: It's not even about the financial gain. Like, uh, Sure, maybe it'll 10x, maybe it'll 100x, maybe it'll 2x. I don't really care. It's, It's about the freedom.
1: Hello there from Bedford in the United Kingdom, the Bitcoin mecca of the world. How are you all? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by the mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And today I've got an interview with Kevin Latinity from Prime Trust, where we're going to be discussing fintech and Bitcoin. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. So first up today, we're going to talk about BlockFi, who have a very special Halloween offer And with Halloween being my birthday and being tomorrow. You definitely want to check this out. Now BlockFi are the future of Bitcoin and financial services. And with them, you can open up an interest account like I did, and you can start earning interest on your Bitcoin. I've been a customer for coming up to a year now, and I've earned about one Bitcoin in interest, which is very, very cool. Also, using your Bitcoin as collateral, you can take out a USD loan and you can also fund your BlockFi account directly from your Bitcoin wallet. And with the BlockFi mobile app, you can also now fully manage your account on the go. And as I said, they have a big Halloween promotion for new customers. Halloween being tomorrow and being my birthday, I obviously support this. So from now until the end of the month, so essentially until the end of tomorrow, you can earn up to $275 in Bitcoin when you open up a BlockFi account. If you are interested in checking out BlockFi, I do recommend you do your own research and then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com forward slash Peter. Next up, we're going to talk about Kraken, my favorite place for buying and selling Bitcoin and the only place I use for buying and selling Bitcoin. So why is this? Well, outside of them being a sponsor, they are consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. And security, it's really important to me. They also have the best in class in customer service. So if you've got any issue, whatever it is, whoever you are and wherever you are, they're going to get that shit sorted for you. And if you want to start trading Bitcoin, they have every tool you could possibly need. Whatever your level of experience, if you head over to kraken.com, it could not be easier to sign up and start trading Bitcoin. They've also got this amazing mobile first app. So if you're on the go, if you're on a train, if you're on a plane, you're sat in the passenger in a car and you're thinking, you know what, I need me some more Bitcoin. You can whip out the Kraken mobile app and start buying some more. And with their margin trading futures and OTC desk, Kraken has got every option covered for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin and you can find out more at kraken.com or you can download the app. It's available in the iPhone and Android app stores. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Okay, so onto the show today, and I am joined by Kevin Letinity. He is the Chief Product Officer at Prime Trust and a company that services the fintech industry. Now, I wanted to get Kevin on the show to talk me through what's happening in the fintech industry because, like, I'm seeing loads of things happening in this space. We just had the announcement that PayPal is going to be supporting Bitcoin, Kraken has become a bank, and also we've got Cash App and Revolut allowing you to buy Bitcoin. Well, with Revolut's case, it's exposure to Bitcoin, and it seems like... PayPal's will be similar but the fintech companies are increasingly supporting Bitcoin so I wanted to get Kevin in to talk about this tell me how it all works what exposing millions of people who use these apps to Bitcoin actually means and and what the regulatory environment is like for these companies now what I didn't expect to hear is how bad some of the traditional banking infrastructure really is especially in America I mean compared to what we have in the UK it's quite weird how how kind of just fucked some of it is so yeah that that was a real surprise to me but it was really interesting to get into this with kevin and also talk a little bit again about libertarianism i always like discussing this especially with the staunch libertarians out there so i hope you enjoy this if you've got any questions you can reach out to me my email address is hello at com. i do reply to everyone and i do do it myself i don't have a bot or someone sat out in the philippines doing it i do it myself so if you want to reach out to me please do that outside of that uh have you checked out my new show defiance okay i'll tell you something interesting This month is the first month that Defiance has actually outperformed what Bitcoin did. Now, look, there's a couple of caveats there. Its total numbers are lower, but its average numbers are higher. Basically, we do less shows on Defiance, but the average per show is tracked much higher. And a lot of those have come on YouTube, but still... The Defiance show about Ghislaine Maxwell has done really well. So the final part of that is out next week. And also next week, we are launching my new series about, it was kind of about Donald Trump, but really it's about something else. It's called Chaos. The trailer is available on Defiance. If you want to go and check that out, that's all available at defiance.news. Anyway, it's my birthday tomorrow. I don't drink anymore, so I don't know what I'm going to do to celebrate. I'll probably go uh, eat some chocolate with the kids, grab some pizza. But I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you have a great Halloween. And I will see you all next week. Kevin, how are you, man?
0: Hey, Peter. I'm doing great. How are you?
1: Yes, I am doing well. Uh, it's late here because it's uh, evening for me. About lunchtime for you, right?
0: About lunchtime. Yeah, exactly. Nice, nice.
1: How, how are things over in uh, California right now? Because very weird world right now.
0: It is a weird world. Um, you know, for us here in the U.S., a lot of it is really state by states. I don't think there's a lot of unified federal legislation so in kind of California specifically, things are, are pretty locked down. Um, you know, we have an office in Nevada. Things are a little bit more open there. But it's, uh, you know, month by month, it changes quite a bit.
1: Right. Where, whereabouts in uh, California are you, can you say? Do you have to be secret?
0: Oh, no, we have um, – we're a pretty distributed team. So okay. Prime Trust is a uh, Nevada state-chartered financial institution. So all of Prime Trust's employees um, are in the state of Nevada – but then we have you know, a technology company as well, um, which houses our engineering and technical teams. And we've got folks in the Bay Area, folks in you know, other places.
1: Is it still pretty locked down in California?
0: California is, yeah. Um, they're allowing some outdoor dining now and things like that in the Bay Area, which is nice. Um, helps with the claustrophobia a little bit, yeah, but uh, still pretty locked down.
1: What about the kids? Are the kids back at school?
0: Kids, I know a little bit more um, in our Nevada office, that's where I'm sitting um, right right now. Kids here are doing a part-time program for the public schools. So the private schools are all back in school. And the public schools are doing a two days a week kind of a thing, um, I guess, to keep the class sizes down and let people distance.
1: Right. What's it like in Nevada? Like, is Vegas... Because I just keep thinking about Vegas, right? Like, Vegas must be suffering.
0: It is. It is. We're out in um Summerlin, um Nevada, but you know, we're close enough to Vegas to kind of keep a pulse on on what's going on and a lot of the hotels have started reopening. There's right. actually a large flood of tourism almost all from LA. Everyone's yeah. driving in because California is so locked down. So, it, I it need a fucking painful.
1: break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give me some uh give me some gambling, some strippers. I need a break. Let me get out of
0: this shit. <laughs> yep.
1: Yep. yeah we're just going back into lockdowns here we've got they've come up with this new tiered system it's like a three-tier system uh they're grading different areas uh like th- uh, I think tier three is like total lockdown uh, okay. tier two is tier two is like you're not allowed to mix in other households um they're trying not to lock down the whole country but there are kind of rumors they're thinking of doing this like circuit breaker thing where they lock everyone down for four weeks. I'm going to try and close it down because we have this big issue that we have this like, I don't know if it's the same in the US. We have a big winter flu problem, like a massive winter flu problem. And the hospitals, yeah, right. Okay. Well, the hospitals always fill up. They're always at capacity. And what they're worried about is that they're going to have a a capacity issue, both with a mix of flu and coronavirus. But it's a really tricky situation because I get it. I get what all the kind of, all the people shouting about freedom are saying is like, you know, you can't, you can't allow these businesses to keep closing, and you know, people got to earn money. But at the same time, it's, they're worried about the NHS. And you know, I see both sides of the argument. I ne- I can never see like a clear answer to it. But I know you're like libertarian minded. We spoke about this. Like, how do you feel yeah, about yeah. it all?
0: You know, the world's definitely gone to shit, Peter. That's what? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that's man. been a long time coming, though. That's definitely been pre-COVID. The world's already yeah. gone to shit a long time ago. Um, you know, I'm I'm big on on personal choice, personal liberties, things of that nature. Um, but COVID is actually a difficult issue for me um, because of how impactful it is to other people, right? So I think you can take the position that's, you know, look, it's even like the mask, you know, drama and things like that of, look, I, I don't wear, wanna wear a mask, that's my choice, I don't wanna do it. But on the other hand, if you then go and infect five people who die, you know, fuck you, like, <laughs> that's not good either. So I, I'm really torn on this one personally. Um, I think I don't really I don't have a good answer for
1: you. No, I don't think you're the only one. I did, I did an interview with Scott. Oh, was it Scott Horton? And you know, even he, I think, was feeling challenged by it. You know, and he's a libertarian, and you know, he's all about a maximum freedom and liberty. And and even he was, I think, was finding it challenging because you, you know, the, the you know, in terms of NAP, it's like well, you can you can be aggressive by breathing without realizing it you can cause problems and and i i know a lot of people have really been challenged with it but at the same time don't want to then turn around and say well I, I think we should have lockdowns and uh i guess that's where you are as well right
0: yeah well you know you can't let the economy go to shit right if like no matter what the pandemic is if you come out of this and you say great well you know nobody's sick but by the way mm. we have 90% unemployment across the country that's gonna impact people's health and livelihood just as much as, as a viral or you know medical infection. So I think finding that point where, what can we do that's reasonable? Great, so open restaurants, but put the table six feet apart. Okay, I'm a, that is something that I'm in favor of, right? We can be a little bit preventative while still allowing the world to keep moving forward. I travel a decent amount. I know that's taboo now. I've traveled internationally a couple times. I'm heading to Ukraine in a couple weeks. It's a lot of stress around international travel right now but I don't want to live my life in a bubble you know in my home 24/7 in some sort of crazy hazmat suit and just waiting for the world to end isn't isn't a lot of fun so we got to we got to build the business and so does everybody else right you you have to keep moving this is the new normal now for however long it takes
1: yeah, what is that international travel like? Because, I, dude, I used to travel so much. Last year, I did, like, 92 flights. Uh, every month I was away, like, flight after flight. I just got used to it. I haven't flown since March. A time, last time I got on a plane, I was out in Istanbul. I came back through Heathrow. I kind of thought I had COVID because I was so sick, like, the sickest I've ever been. And, like, I just can't even remember. My son was as well. And my bones ached. Um, and I haven't flown since. Uh, I want to. Like, <laughs> I'd like a holiday. I'd like to get out yeah. and do some shit. But, like, yeah. my, my first place would always be to the U.S. But we can't travel to the U.S. at the moment. We'll The U.S. won't let us in.
0: The hardest part is trying to figure out where you can go, right? right? So Americans, same way, we're not welcome most places, right? We can't really enter the EU. There's a lot of places where we can't. Thankfully for us in particular, Ukraine, while a European country, is not an EU member country. So yeah. they're allowing some more tourism and some folks to fly in. But... You know, it's strange. I was flying, you know, the other day coming back and you're used to a certain level of, of, I guess, luxury or amenities when you're traveling on, you know, a transcontinental you know, business class flight. You're just, you're used to getting a little meal, some food, things like that. And the flight attendant walks by wearing, you know, this big mask and face shield and all that stuff and just drops this little wrapped up sandwich on my tray table. And it's like, yes. oh, great. I guess that's lunch. You know, gone are, are the days of the cocktails and the drinks, and uh, they're trying to really minimize the contact. And you get from point A to point B, but there's, uh, there's not much in the way of, of amenities when you're doing that at the airports or on the planes or anything else.
1: Really? Is it, I mean, what's the plane like? Is it full, half full?
0: Um, flight over, probably about half full. So at least here in the U.S., they did a thing for a while where domestically they wouldn't allow anybody to sit in the middle seat. So you right. had the aisle seat, the window seat, and you had a little bit of space. Um, they stopped that policy a few months ago, and now you know they're cramming the planes full again. But on the international flight, it was about half full.
1: Honestly, or half yeah, empty,
0: depending on I, how you look at it.
1: I don't know how these airlines are going to survive, because they were on razor-thin margins before. Yeah, I just no don't way. know how. No, no way. I mean, I look at something like British Airways, right, just, uh, they've just they got some flights going, they're closing down a lot of the destinations again. Uh, I think they can only going to be able to su- survive with these big bailouts. But it kind of all this stuff brings me back to the the Bitcoin. Actually, let's let's go back full circle. Give me your Bitcoin story, Kevin, and then we'll, sure. we'll talk about it. Sure.
0: It's um, my Bitcoin story. I think is is a little different than most people's, probably because I imagine I was later to the party than most people you you interview. Um, uh-huh. For me, it really started around uh, 2014 or so. That was my first time trying to buy Bitcoin. And I, I want to say that it was also probably one of the most formative of experiences of, of my life, given where I've decided to kind of dedicate the rest of my career after that, that particular moment. But um, I was I was on Coinbase, you know, user friendly. That was 2014. That was the easiest place to, to get something if you're new to it like me. And I remember trying to make a bank transfer to Coinbase. And my bank saying, no, I was like, no, you, you can't transfer money to Coinbase. And I had this, you know, really strange frustration, almost a light bulb moment going, who the fuck are you to tell me what I can do with my money? That doesn't make any sense. This, this is my money. Why are, you, why are you kind of what we're now calling financial censorship, right? Why are you censoring the transactions that I can make with my own money that I've earned? Um, it, was, it was crazy. And that was one of those the system is really, really broken moments. And it was kind of what what set us down on on the path of everything that I've at least personally done since then, whether it's been Prime Trust or Bank or some other things, that was kind of look, I wanna go work in fintech, I wanna go work with crypto, I wanna work with more decentralized things, I wanna better flush out what what do I think financial censorship is and and what can I do to kind of, you know, pick up arms and and join the fight against that and do it both from the regulated and non-regulated sides, where maybe we can get back to infrastructure, where it's about enablement and not about censorship.
1: But were you were you drawn to Bitcoin because you were libertarian minded already, or did it was it the other way around?
0: Um, honestly, I think that Bitcoin has probably drawn out a lot more libertarian in me than than anything else. So I was certainly headed down that path um, at that time, but I always had somebody tell me that there's the two things that people care about are their physical health and their financial health, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Other than those two things, no one cares. Um, so I was already kind of heading down the path, but not really into it. And when I had that, that experience right there where you're fucking with what I can do with what I'm, you know, slaving away all day in the office to, to earn, that was just like none other for me. And that was kind of fuck this shit I'm gonna fix this, or at least do my part to do what I can to fix some of this stuff. And since then, you know, I hold a lot more Bitcoin than I normally do. Um, hold a lot more than Fidelity's five percent recommendation. That's for sure. Um, I, you know, I think don't it's a man. big part of the solution. Honestly,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those ones. If you're right, you're gonna be really right. But if you're wrong, it's like oh, oh shit moment. But but
0: it's, it's not kind even of about ironic. The gain. It's not even about the financial gain. Like I, sure, maybe it'll ten x, maybe it'll hundred x, maybe it'll two. xi don't really care it's it's about the freedom right as a libertarian for me it's about not um you know well you can kind of trace things back on chain of, of what went where that's fine but it's about not having that party that can sit there and go no you know what um take adult for example adult is often at least in the u.s like very aggressively controlled it's like okay yeah. you have this thing that's completely federally legal but you have these pure kind of puritanical standards from the financial institutions we're looking at it and saying no no, no, we, we think pornography is evil. Um, you know, look at Square, look at anybody else's kind of terms of use, restricted business activities, adults in every single one of them. Right? Dude. For me, Bitcoin's less about the financial gain and more about if I want to buy some porn, I'm going to buy some porn. Who the fuck are you to tell me now?
1: Yeah, but I look, the more inquest, important question, I'll be like, why are you buying porn, dude? It's pretty much free everywhere. <laughs> there's enough, there's a lot of free porn out there. Like, what the fuck are you paying for? <laughs> no, but like, I'm with you, man. Listen, I don't know if you know, but I've interviewed a few uh, porn stars in, in the industry. I... I interviewed uh, uh, a lady called Ali Knox, I interviewed Stoya and uh, also um, Holly Randall I've interviewed a couple of times. And they talk about it. And it's a fully legal industry. Yeah. But the moral code of the banks. And even some even some exchanges are like, we're not going to do business with you. And they're probably the same people who are at home jerking off watching these films. <laughs> they're the but ones like making, saying, the yeah. Yeah, making the decision. Yeah, making the decision. And I, I just it's kind of like i always feel like i always feel sorry for the porn industry sometimes because it's it's probably probably has like more time watched than like hollywood <laughs> but the treatment of the uh, actresses and, and the act was more so the actresses in the industry is 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 really fucking terrible but fundamentally actually they're just making their lives more dangerous yeah it's like if you ban it if you you know prohibition in the do you call it prohibition if it's also um sex industry, I guess you do, and prohibition just makes it more dangerous. All these laws make it more dangerous. Yeah. Um, But it's kind of ironic, right, that your, like, a Bitcoin awakening was being censored from buying censorship-resistant money.
0: Yes. (laughs) There is something, uh, there is something definitely interesting to that interaction.
1: (laughs) Did you, did you finally get through and buy some, then?
0: I did. I did. I finally got through. Um, I interestingly ended up changing banks after i tried to do that transaction not only was it blocked the bank decided they didn't want to do business with me anymore which was great like 30, 30 really? day notice your accounts are being closed um, they can they closed yeah. your
1: account just because yeah. you wanted to put money in coinbase
0: yeah exactly Motherfucker. and That's this terrible. is um at least here this happens to a lot of folks it's not just me and what they'll do and this was less so now because it's a little bit more accepted but definitely in 2014 to 2017 2018 if you were running some sort of uh, you know crypto related business They would shut down your business account. They would shut down your personal account They would shut down any personal accounts of any of your employees. It was like this kind of massive Purge of this banking system saying no, we're not going to accept crypto We're not gonna accept censorship resistant money. It was like you're gonna be on the wrong side of this one in the history books
1: Dude, especially now like Kraken's becoming a bank. Yep. I uh, you know you're looking at this and you you start to wonder like you start to think because I did it with Kraken I started to think like where is this in 10 years you know what kind of banking services that I have probably not a branch and I can certainly see a scenario where I would like to move between bitcoin and cash a lot easier yeah in the accounts um especially if I had a business account because you know some people pay me in bitcoin some people pay me in pounds some people pay me in dollars the ability to own or hold an account, which allows you to move between those, but also, look, I know I can do that with like a combination of other services, but also be able to like pay bills. That's something I want, and 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 yes, there's like a custody issue there, but like it is something I want. But I feel like those these issues, like we have them in the UK, I feel like the US is worse.
0: The US is definitely worse. Um, there's a lot of broken infrastructure. So part of what we're always challenged by. Is just the way that our kind of fiat transfers work here in the US. Everything's very archaic. You have this wire window, it doesn't operate during banking holidays, things like that. And that just doesn't work anymore, right? We live in 24-7 global markets. Um, so what we're seeing um, come out, and you know, Signature Bank has one of these, Silvergate Bank does, you know, we, yeah, yeah. we do as well here as Prime, is kind of just the concept of internal transfers. And those are great, but you know, they're closed, they're closed ecosystems. Um, You know, what we really want to do is is foster more of an open ecosystem for transfers. That's a whole shit show in and of itself in in the U.S. Um, Ben, one thing that has been positive, though, is the OCC's come out recently here with a couple announcements. And they've said that banks can hold crypto, which is great because that's encouraging more adoption, right? Anything that's encouraging more adoption, making it more retail, user-friendly, I'm all about those things. Um, And one of the... Challenges, though, that people don't anticipate is there's great tech platforms out there, right? Whether you're on whatever side you're on of MPC, multi-sig, you've got Fireblocks, you've got Curve, you've got Ledger, you've got a lot of these kind of institutional software platforms that these banks can leverage. But the thing that no one thinks about is that they're all running on core accounting systems. And those are all old legacy core accounting systems from like FIS, Fiserv, Jack Henry, those sorts of folks. And what screws all this up is actually the precision of crypto, you know, the eight decimal points of precision on Bitcoin, the 18 decimal points of precision um, on Ethereum based tokens for for most. um, That's really hard because the accounting systems the banks are using can't actually express that full precision. They can't statement it, they can't report on it, things of that nature. So what you end up with is a ridiculous amount of drift that just builds up slowly over time. This causes massive operational nightmares. So while you have the technology platforms from the Curve, Fireblocks, Ledger, and you have the regulatory framework now, you still can't actually do this business. And the question that we get quite a lot is, well, then how does Prime Trust do this? Don't you have the same issues? And I think the best decision that we've ever made is we built our own accounting system two years ago. We built our own core system. So we don't run off of any of these legacy players. And it's all about, we call it the universal asset platform. We call it Prime Core. Just. And what we do is we built it in-house, and it supports whatever we want, real estate, securities, public or private, which as a libertarian, private securities are much more interesting for me than publicly traded ones. You know, (laughs) crypto, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or, you know, whatever asset people want, in the line of financial censorship, I don't think that I should get to decide what asset someone holds. I don't care if you want to buy Bitcoin. I don't want to care if you want to buy Ethereum. I don't want to decide for you what's good for you, right? I want to have this platform Mm -hmm. that can support whatever you decide that you want to buy. And be an enabler, not censor.
1: Right. So tell me about Prime Trust because I don't know a lot about. You know, I only discovered you recently. Obviously. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. We were, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> um, but, but tell me, tell me a little bit. Like, or really better off. Anyone who's listening, tell them, tell people what Prime Trust does.
0: Sure. So we we started the company off um, in crowdfunding. Interestingly, so there's a lot of companies here in the U.S. that want to raise capital. Um, When equity crowdfunding was a thing, we figured that's a really interesting way to kind of democratize capital formation instead of it being locked up in accredited high net worth individuals, venture funds, things like that. Let's bring that to the people. Let's kind of decentralize some of that funding. And it eventually um, evolved into what's now Prime Trust, which is a Nevada state charter trust company. We are a financial institution here in the US. And Mm -hmm. what we view ourselves at, or, what we try to build is financial infrastructure. So, our core product is API based. It does payments, it does custody, it does liquidity, it does custody of multiple currencies. You can go between them, it does custody of crypto, real estate, all these different assets. And it's all this infrastructure layer that's designed for other people to build their applications on top of. So, especially for US based exchanges, you know, if you're sending a wire or an ACH payment or something like that to Bittrex, to OKCoin, to Binance US, to TrueUSD, to you're actually using Prime Trust. You just don't know it. Right. And that's that's how we like it. We're not consumer people at all whatsoever. Um, Twitter will tell you that much. So we like to stay behind this, you know, kind of behind the scenes, out of the limelight, and just build stuff that enables people. Zap um, has you know, gotten some good traction lately as for their stuff on Lightning Zap Jack on the Fiat right? Rail. Yeah, yeah. Jack yeah. on the Fiat Rail Zap uses Prime Trust, so that's good examples of how we enable other people to build businesses. We like to call ourselves the AWS of fintech companies, but that's a little ambitious. But maybe we'll get there one day.
1: So, what are the challenges that you face then as a as a business?
0: Uh, there's a lot of them. What we constantly find ourselves stuck between is the legacy infrastructure that we can leverage, right? So there's nothing that we can do about the wire window in the U.S., for example. We can't go petition the Fed and say we need to extend these wire. We could, but nothing's going to happen, right?
1: What is that? What is that window? Is that like business hours?
0: Basically, it's business hours. It's only during weekdays. So if it's a weekend, if it's in the evening... You can't send a wire in the U.S. You have to wait until the next business day to send it. And that doesn't why? work. Does they,
1: they need someone to like turn the handle <laughs>
0: it's, it's It's archaic, right? It's the reason why is because that's how it's always been. And that's personally my least favorite answer to any question. Whenever somebody looks at something, goes, well, we do this because that's how we always do it. It's like, okay, great. You know, remind me to go fucking fix that when I have some free time. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly kind of pinned between... This archaic banking system that we have to use and the demands of our customers. And what we try to do is basically abstract a lot of that stuff away and say, hey, if you want to operate Bitcoin, great. We can do that. If you want to do these different payments methods, you can do that. We have 12 or 15 different banks now on the back end. We have dozens of different processors for all these different payment rails. And I can tell Mm -hmm. you that is a pain to build and maintain. Especially when you have people coming in, and somebody wakes up on the wrong side of the bed and says, "You know what? We don't like Bitcoin anymore. Goodbye, you're shut off." And it's like, "Okay, great. You need to have redundancy. You need to be able to cut over things of that nature." A lot of what we do, a lot of the hard part, is trying to black box and abstract that, so people can use Prime Trust without having to worry about all those downstream things. And it's great, but that means that we worry about those those things. Um, So that's definitely the big challenges. And you always have regulatory, right? We've we're Dude, do you have in... a
1: compli- I'm, I'm not on your website. You have a compliance section.
0: Yes. Yeah, we <laughs> actually do a lot of compliance, risk management, things like that. Um, our kind of head of regulatory affairs, you mentioned Kraken, was the former deputy banking commissioner in Wyoming. So very crypto-friendly, right, okay. You know, understands a lot of that legislation really well. Our CCO was the former CCO at Green Dot. They do the prepaid card programs for Walmart, Apple Pay, kind of all that stuff. So we've tried to put together a really good team because honestly, these these problems aren't easy. They are hard. And we want to take that hardship on. I'm personally a big believer that you can never reduce the total complexity of a problem. But what you can do is you can shift the burden of that complexity. So that's what our entire business is predicated off of. It's this is a hard problem. You can't make it easier. So we'll mm-hmm. take on as much of the hard things as we can.
1: But we do. We- did you start out doing crypto or were you doing like traditional payments before this?
0: Traditional payments first. So yeah. it's funny because that scenario that I went through with the crypto and the banks not liking that transaction was the exact same way that equity crowdfunding started. And now no one cares. It's the most vanilla business in the world. So we've always been in what they call high risk payments, which makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> it's not a high risk payment. It's crypto. It's, it's um Things like private securities. And now, the more we get into it, it's great. Well, what else is being censored? It's adults. Okay, how can we tackle some of that stuff? Um, you know, maybe we want to do some stuff around um, cannabis where it's, where it's legal. Like, there's a lot of things that are still being censored, and we're just trying to tackle them one after the other.
1: Next up, I'll talk to Kevin more about fintech and Bitcoin. But before that, I do have a message from my amazing sponsors. So, Least Authority. They've been back as a sponsor of the show. This is their last ad read of this booking, so let's give them a final boost. Please do go and check out Least Authority. It's been a great help with them sponsoring the show. Now, it is for you techies out there, those of you who are building the applications. Now, Lease Authority is a security consulting company, and they are pushing the limits on how to build privacy-respecting solutions. They specialize in security audits, design specification reviews, and security by design. They can also help you improve the security of your wallet application, key management solution, layer 2 protocol, P2P network design, use of cryptography, and so much more. Now, would you like a boost to your security strategy? Well, with Least Authority, you can arrange a no obligation call to find out how they can help you on your next project. Just head over to their website, hit the schedule a call button, and that's at leastauthority.com, which is L-E-A-S-T-A-U-T-H-O-R-I-T-Y.com. Also, let's talk about Casa. Now, interesting thing with Casa, lots of you started reaching out to me, asking me about Casa, which shows the ads are working, which is great. I'm happy to talk about this you can reach out to me on telegram or twitter i am a massive fan of the company i became a customer before they became a sponsor and it has given me so much peace of mind i feel so much happier now that i'm protected from hackers personal mistakes in-person attacks device failures and anything else that can go wrong now with ball run looking likely look the price is doing well some of you Your Bitcoin might seem like a small amount. That's going to be worth a lot potentially in the future. So security is definitely something you want to be on top of. I wasn't for a long time, so I'm glad I am now. And listen, Casa, they're such badasses. They've got a product for every Bitcoiner. With Casa Gold, you get triple the security of your hardware wallet, and that's only going to cost you $10 a month. With Casa Platinum, you get their three or five multi-sig. Now, that's the best protection for large Bitcoin holders, and that comes at a really great price. And with Casa Diamond, you get their full service offering. That includes a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, their best-in-class security. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is k e y s . c a s a dot C-A-S-A. And last today, but no sponsor is ever leased. We've got Sportsbet.io. They are the best place for online gaming. And if you've enjoyed the return of football, some crazy results, right? I have. It's great to see Liverpool back. It's great to see them near the top of the table. I expect they'll be at the very top very soon. But also, we've had the return of the Champions League and the Europa League. And you know what? Another great start for Liverpool there. But with Sportsbet, they have welcomed back these two European competitions with a special offer for you football lovers. They are offering a number of missions, whereby if you hit a streak during the competition, you can win up to one Bitcoin in cash prizes. Just head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions to opt in and view the terms of the promotions. And you can access sportsbet.io at s-p-o-r-t-s-b-e-t p-o-r-t-s-b-e-t.io. So let's talk about the weed one because, and ironically, because that's um, Jack Muller's mum's business. They're involved in the weed, yep. weed business, right? And I, I was with them out in Colorado. And they were saying, look, the big issue is that it's state by state legislation. Yep. But there's no, but still illegal federally. It so is. So getting banking services is a difficulty. So why is it that banks are saying no, but say someone like you can help out?
0: So everything is always a risk based decision. And I want to make it clear right. that we're, we're looking at cannabis, just You're for looking. any regulators that happen to listen to your show. Um, we'll say the Prime All Trust is do. looking at cannabis. Um, but really, you know, what it is for us is while. Many state-chartered financial institutions like us operate in states where it's, it's legal statewide. A lot of banks are federally chartered, and banks that aren't federally chartered still have to rely on the Federal Reserve and kind of other more federal agencies, right. and it's not okay there. So what I expect that we'll see is kind of something similar to what we saw with crypto, where the early banks that were in crypto were the banks that were going out of business. It was these little places, they're already going out of business. You know what? They're going to roll the dice. They're going to start banking crypto. And worst case scenario, they get shut down. Well, great. They were going out of business anyway. Um, I expect to see the same thing in cannabis, where we're going to have banks that are going out of business and they say, you know what? Our Hail Mary is we're going to bank cannabis. And just like crypto, those banks are going to be massively rewarded for that if they can survive it.
1: That federal versus state level legislation issue. It's really kind of complica- complicated. And for someone like myself to understand, it's it's, it's just complex because we don't have this in the UK, right? We have a set of laws and it's the UK. And look, we have devolved governments in Northern Ireland, Scotland, right? But this is a different scenario. But these different state by state laws, I, you kind of look at it and you go, oh, no, I understand. I understand. And it kind of makes sense, right? But when you have these federal laws, which contradict them, that kind of makes things a little bit difficult for people on the ground. Where does it, like, you all know even the best language for asking this question, but where does it stand kind of like legally or constitutionally that if someone was to, someone's to offer banking services, say to a cannabis company, where would they be at risk federally?
0: The state's rights issue in general is one of the long contested political issues in the US, for sure. Right. And I, I think that most people haven't really understood it very well. Um, but a lot of what's happening now in the cannabis space is bringing this to light for more everyday people, right? And bringing kind of states' rights as an issue uh, to the attention of the broader population. And really, a lot of it's about enforceability, right? So you kind of have these two different layers. Um, and depending on which layer you operate in, if that layer says it's okay and you operate exclusively in that layer, then you're fine. If you operate in multiple layers, then you're not okay if one of your layers says that it's not okay. And for banks, there's this really weird hybrid of state and federal regulation where even if you're just a you know, state chartered bank, so you could be a bank chartered in the state of Nevada, Cannabis is fully recreationally and medicinally legal in the state of Nevada, so there is nothing that any Nevada regulator or person um, would do to say, hey, you can't do this. But as a bank, you're automatically regulated by the OCC, right? You have some sort of a connection to the Federal Reserve, and these are all federal level layers, and they might come down on you. So I think what the industry as a whole was trying to figure out is, hey, if my kind of primary regulatory body says it's okay, am I going to get crushed? Um, from this kind of ethereal federal layer? Um, or are they going to keep their nose out of it? And unfortunately, that's a highly political issue. And come a few months from now, that answer might change, right? Like, it's really nebulous right. right now with the elections coming and everything else. It's one candidate's stance on it over the other might massively impact whether it's kind of left alone federally, or if it's, you know, intentionally really prosecuted.
1: Right, that's interesting. And And could there be a scenario where the federal layer brings charges against you but you are defended at a state level that the state governor like again i might be using all the wrong kind of language because yeah. right, i'm not
0: honestly but do you have I'm, those scenarios i'm not i'm not an expert on kind of the state versus right, okay. federal stuff but from the little that i do know i could see that being a scenario right this might be something especially if you have states like colorado and some others that derive massive, massive tax revenue from the cannabis industry. Mm. If you end up with a precedent of the federal government coming in and saying, no, you know, we're going to punish and shut this down for just one bank, right? even if it's one of many, that sets a really dangerous precedent in a state that derives a ton of taxpayer income from that particular activity. And I could see that state fighting back, not just the bank having to fight back, but the state taking on their shoulders and saying, get out of here. This is a big part of our tax base.
1: Yeah, well, to be honest, so many states now have either legalized or decriminalized it. I mean, how many, what is it, like 30-odd now?
0: I think, you know, my personal opinion um, is that federal legalization is inevitable, right? I think the momentum that it's carrying, all the states that have decriminalized legalizing it, I think it's just a matter of time. Um, And perhaps that's what makes it the most frustrating, is that everybody knows the end outcome, we're just not there yet, so it's still a massive pain to operate in the space even though we all know where it's going.
1: Could it could it be legalized federally, but outlawed at a state
0: level? It could.
1: It could. Okay. But that's a better way around of having
0: it, right? That's a much better way. That yeah. would make it a lot easier to operate, at least.
1: But I can't see it. Look, I mean, I've been out to Colorado. I've been out to uh, Bitcoin Mom's uh, shop. Uh, I've hung out. I've, I, un- I understand a little bit more about the business. There's massive tax revenues for for each state yep and the world has not collapsed no we haven't got we've got a few more people maybe going home with some better quality weed getting toasted watching netflix and eating pizza like there's no i don't see a single downside to this perhaps there'll be some studies that there was an increase in kind of some kind of mental health issues maybe but like i don't really see a downside to it
0: no alcohol is fully legal right and that's yeah not the safest thing in the world, so to speak, especially compared to something like cannabis. I would argue that cannabis is probably safer than alcohol in many ways, right? And, yeah. you know, you saw kind of what happened in the U.S. with Prohibition, where it just turned into a lot of, you know, underground speakeasies, and then the government kind of looked at the tax revenues and realized that hey, that kind of hurts, and they brought it. At the end of the day, people always do what's in their best economic interest, right? It's always all about the money, and maybe it's a little jaded, but at least... Working in kind of the industry where I work, it's always all about the money. That's the only thing that ever matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much money in cannabis that I don't think there's any other option but to fully legalize.
1: That then it's like, what's next? Is it mushrooms? Is it something else? I have
0: Do you no look idea. at?
1: Are there other? Um, so you looked at adult. You looked at cannabis. Are there other like kind of gray markets here that are of interest to you guys?
0: Um, adults and cannabis are definitely. Definitely two. Um, So we have a customer client here at Prime Trust called Bank, B-A-N-Q. They flipped a letter. uh, And they're really looking at adults. They're really looking at cannabis payments um, as, you know, basically where is cash and how to replace cash. Um, And I think that's a really interesting business. um, And that's one that, you know, we're watching pretty closely.
1: So what, they do like the front end business side and you just do what, the processing of the payments for them?
0: Basically, right. So same you know, type of a, an arrangement as, as we have with Jack Maulers and Zap and some of that stuff building on top of Prime Trust. Um, for bank in particular, when you as a user go and you sign up on, download the app, you go and you sign up, what that actually does is that opens an account at Prime Trust in your name. Um, just all happens under the hood. And then when you make a deposit into your account at bank... Well, you can guess what happens. You're making a deposit into your account at Prime Trust, so it's basically like a white-labeled banking, if you want to think about it in that way. And they're um, they're going to do a lot with crypto payments. Um, I feel like I can talk about their roadmap a little bit, so I will. Um, yeah. They're going to do a lot with you know paying in crypto, using crypto to do some of these more private payments. Their big thing is privacy by design. You get on Venmo. Why on earth is there a social feed of what I'm spending my money on? I've personally never know, understood dude. that.
1: i heard that shit. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So banks all about privacy. They're leaning really heavy into crypto. Um, and they're looking at all sorts of industries, right? Just from the coffee shop down the road, but also more what's cash heavy. So it's adult, it's cannabis. Interestingly, real estate is really fucked up. If you want to talk about a fucked up industry and in payments. Real really? estate's a shit show.
1: Oh, yeah. oh, is it? Is it that thing where it's like so many people have to get paid like, at a certain time? Did I hear about this right? I think it's different in the US to the UK.
0: It's a There's little like, bit different in the US. A lot yeah. of it is, um, for some reason, when I bought my house here, all my mortgage payments paid by check. There was no pay online. I had to write a check. I had to mail it in, and I'm sitting there going, and at the age of... Well, uh, PayPal's a dinosaur, but I guess they're definitely getting into crypto too, right? They had a big announcement with Paxo. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I think, you know, I'm anticipating a lot of M&A activity in, in crypto coming up. And yep. PayPal's one of the huge giants, so I imagine they're going to do something interesting. But, you know, in the age of the PayPal's and Venmo and Cash App and Stripe and everything else, why am I ever taking a check and going to the mailbox? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. And You're still having to do that? Are, yeah. I pay my... I pay mortgage and HOA fees by taking a check down to the fucking mailbox.
1: Yeah, but that means like you have to remember each month.
0: Yeah, I probably and, like, pay more in late fees than I do in the fucking HOA payments because I can't remember to say my life. I'm traveling. I'm doing other stuff. It's so it's so
1: fucked up. Or whatever check gets lost, like does it affect your credit rating? Because like here in the UK, right? I mean, I I don't know a single I don't know anyone still uses checks for anything, let alone using a like a check to pay their mortgage at the end of the month or. Pay their, pay their rent but like if you miss a mortgage payment it can fuck with your credit rating
0: yep same here definitely same here what you end up with and it's, it's less mortgages and, and typically more rents where we see the issue is there's this right. kind of whole middle market that's been missed where if you're living in a large apartment property or a large high-rise something like that I'm sure you can pay your rent online like that's fine they're taking cards they're doing whatever else but if you're you know you your landlord owns one or two houses as investment properties they own three four apartments are they putting in basically like a pos system to collect rent from fuck no they're not It's just mail me a check right because there's not really a lot of consumer friendly ways to do that and that's something we can all put too so just kind of outside oh, but, but, of the high risk space like there's still other problems to solve
1: yeah but dude like here if like if i got a landlord i can just set up, set up a direct debit to him or a standing order or something so like every month it just
0: pays him I don't think you understand how fucked up the financial infrastructure is here. Like, seriously, it's really, really baneful.
1: Yeah, but like, like, I don't understand, like, why? You know, you're given, you're given the good answer for, for why people need Bitcoin, but I don't understand why that exists. Like, can you go, so, so say I'm out in the US, say I'm living in, say I live in Nevada, right, and I'm renting a room off you, And I just want to set up, go go in my online bank and just set up a direct debit to you. Say I'm with Chase, you're with Chase, can I do that?
0: From within the same bank, definitely. So those are those closed loops, and those are mainly soft. And we can do it on payment apps too, right? We could do it on PayPal, we could do it on Square, we could do it on a few different places. But in terms of more of an open ecosystem, there really isn't. Um, Most kind of retail banking products don't really offer the ability to auto pay out to some arbitrary banking instruction they just don't That's so and weird. i don't understand why because the, the rails yeah. exist right we i'm sitting here at prime trust we have access to these rails right what someone has to do is build a simple interface it's not that hard
1: dude literally I, I could do it on my phone now i can log in and i can say, if I'm, say my brother he gives me his bank sort code which is yep. the, the the essentially the bank number and his his address Uh, His bank number, uh, account number, and I can set an amount and I can say, pay that every month. And it just happens. It's like, I just took that for granted and assumed you would have the same.
0: That's why all these payment apps are so popular here. That's why Venmo and everybody else got so big is because that fundamental service doesn't exist in an easy way.
1: That's so screwed up.
0: And you take something like a Venmo, which is really user-friendly. You know, I can send you 20 bucks right now, right? That's easy. But how do I send you 20 bucks a month? There's no recurring option. Even there, there's no recurring. It's nuts.
1: Dude, dude. So so, with you guys then, if you started out payments before and then when the Bitcoin stuff came along, what did that kind of mean to you guys? Was that a big step? Was that a big risk for you?
0: It was. Um, we saw it as a big kind of regulatory gray area. We saw it as bringing a lot more scrutiny to be operating in the space. Obviously, the banking industry from what I went through, generally frowned upon being in the space, um, and our kind of first, first crypto-related customer was actually really true USD. So we we did this in a few different ways. Um, mm-hmm. We really had a three-step process getting into crypto. Um, the first was more around liquidity. So we had this business where you could buy private securities um, for people raising capital, right? And it was really frowned upon to invest in crypto. Everything had to be USD denominated. So the first thing we did was you said, okay, well, let's treat Bitcoin as a payment method, not as the end source. And if we have liquidity on the back end, if you send me a Bitcoin, I can liquidate that, post it as cash and say, look, you invested X U.S. dollars. You just use Bitcoin as the payment method like you would a wire or a check or anything else. And that was kind of dipping the toe in the water. And then we said, okay, we're still not going to really do crypto, but we'll hold assets. So True USD, for example, holding their collateral. Okay, we're holding US dollars, it's for a stablecoin. But all the Prem Trust is doing is is holding onto the US dollars and then, you know, firing off our our commands to mint and, and redeem um, the true USD tokens, but we're not touching the tokens really. And then ultimately step three for us was you know what? We're gonna service this industry. Right? We've kind of been testing it out, been getting in the water slowly. Let's bank exchanges, let's bank stable coins, let's you know, Prime Core now has custody of digital assets um, in hot and cold storage. Um, We have a liquidity component, so you can buy and sell all throughout our stuff. And that powers a lot of different things. And we're aggressively adding on more and more to that.
1: And are you getting a lot of demand for the Bitcoin side of things?
0: Yeah, definitely Bitcoin. Um, We're actually just finished adding Tether. Uh, We haven't announced it yet, but we have Tether liquidity now and stuff like that. But Maybe ninety-five percent of the liquidity volume that we provide um, is all Bitcoin. It's funny right. how much that just massively dominates everything else.
1: But it isn't really
0: that funny when you think about it. It's it's not. But yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, but but like, who's asking for it? And how? because like, I still don't fully understand who's asking for it and how are you delivering it for them? Sure. Like what is the actual service?
0: There's a lot of fintech platforms that want to include it. And I'll, I'll give an example of one just probably because right. it's the most popular um, that's not a customer of ours. But if you take a look at something like Cash App. So within yep. Cash App, I can do peer-to-peer payments. I can buy fractional shares, right? So I can pick up mm-hmm. $10 worth of Berkshire Hathaway, things of that nature. And I can also buy, sell, hold Bitcoin, right? So someone has to provide that infrastructure layer and in those services. And we do it in the payment space. We do it in the custody space. Um, we do it in... The liquidity stuff now um, we're working on fractional shares as well and basically you know the way we look at it at the end of this year beginning of next year you could build cash app entirely on top of prime core and once we can accomplish that in our minds we now have this really interesting agnostic infrastructure where it's liquidity for fx it's liquidity for crypto it's liquidity for public and private securities it's custody of all these things It's all these various payment transactions um, in whatever currencies you want. So from ACH, cards, wires, to, you know, SEPA payments, to BACs, to everything else. In addition to USD, we custody GBP, we custody euro. We're trying to really build this kind of global infrastructure that whatever type of fintech business you want to build on top of us, you can. And that's what's driving our liquidity need. It's, you know, the Revolut Paxos announcement. Revolut saying we, in our online banking app, want people to be able to buy and hold Bitcoin. Great. Someone's providing that service. In their case, Paxos. In the case of our customers, us.
1: Right. Because I, I assume something like Cash Up, right until this just like very moment now when you've explained it, they just did it all themselves. Nope. I just assume they built the infrastructure. Nope. They custody it. So there is, they're just. they've just got an interface into your products and services.
0: Their, you know, Cash App is not one of our customers, but looking at how okay. other people- if it was. Do, if it was, exactly. Yeah. Um, they just tie into our infrastructure. So if you look at Chime, when you open an account at, on Chime, which is, a you know, multi-billion dollar banking app here in the US, mm-hmm. you're opening an account at Bancorp. Chime doesn't have a routing number, it's Bancorp's routing number, right? What's happening is Cash App, Chime, Revolut, all these fintech companies, they're not financial institutions. They're apps, they're technology layers. That are basically interfaces into these financial infrastructure companies. And there's not that many of us out there. There's Prime Trust, there's Cross River Bank, there's a few folks. Um, and what we're just trying to do is be the one stop shop. So, right now, if you want to build Cash App, what you're really going to do is you're going to partner with someone like Prime Trust on the crypto side or Paxos. You're going to partner with, or BitGo. Um, you're going to partner with someone like a Cross River or us or a Synapse or something like that to do your payments and then you're going to partner with someone like drive wealth to do your fractional shares that's horribly fragmented so what we're trying to do is do those partnerships for us like we'll do it for right. you.
1: And know what are you setting the price and then they're marking it up their end
0: yeah well basically everybody middleman's right that's at least in the u.s that's that's finance
1: right and if they custody it with the app they're really custodying with you yeah exactly so w- what what would happen in that scenario though like i'm not saying you would be but in a scenario, say, say I've again, let's say I've got my own finance pizza uh, pizza app, right? And That's my own financial business. Um, if there was a security issue with Prime Trust, they would assume the security issue is with myself. Yes. Yeah, but the issue. So you have to take. You have to. So you had to have developed a whole different security backbone for this oh, yeah. crypto stuff, which is very different from your fiat rails, right?
0: So we um, we try to use partners wherever possible because we can't do yeah. everything ourselves, right? And I think anybody who tries to take on that mountain is just destined for failure. So, you know, we look at kind of the MPC technology vendors out there, whether it be Fireblocks, yeah. Curve, those guys, and we tie into them. So they're not financial institutions, um, but they provide the technology layers. So we're leveraging a lot of those sorts of partnerships and putting it all together in aggregate, wrapping it around our regulatory licensing and using that for insurance and other things like that.
1: Right, so the stack is actually multiple companies then? Oh yeah, Pulling definitely. it all together.
0: like Even on the fiat rails, um, it's a whole network of banks. And on FDIC insurance, you get into bank syndicates and there's 12,000 participating banks in the bank syndicate on the FDIC insurance. It's just this massive iceberg where you see kind of, and not just us, but anybody that's servicing the Revoluts, Chimes, Cash Apps of the world, you see this kind of like little layer sitting there above the water of, oh, I can do a payment or I can create a wallet address, great. And then what you don't see is everything that's happening below that waterline. And that's where 95% of the business actually is, is kind of sitting behind the curtain, making all of this happening and making it happen with redundancy, with reliability, with security, with the ability to cut over, like the bank that holds the processes our ACA transactions for USD is not the same bank that does our SEPA transactions for Euro, right? It's one API and you just change the currency in the API. What's actually happening in the background is it's a completely different set of partners.
1: Right. So you're probably also therefore having to manage all the KYC AML stuff then.
0: That's why compliance is such a big deal for us.
1: Yeah. And that stuff you just can't get away from, right?
0: No. As a financial institution, that's part of the deal.
1: Because the Bitcoin people hate it, right? They hate KYC. They hate uh, this uh, KYC AML. But like, and how onerous is that
0: for you guys? There's a lot of automation. That we employ. Right. Um, so everything that we've always done and our CEO has always sat around, you know, beating frictionless into everybody's heads, mm-hmm. um, whether it's <laughs> securities, whether it's banking, whether it's crypto, that's that's always been the play. So we leverage a lot of automation where we can. We try to ask the bare minimum that's legally required. We have a big, and when we sit around and we talk about compliance, there's a big T-chart, right? What do we have to do and what do we want to do? And basically everything that's not a have to do regulatorily, then why are we doing it? Right. We're just making things harder. Um, so, you know, we'd want to be kind of the gold standard because we want to keep up, you know, all of our regulatory relationships. We want to make sure we're minimizing fraud. We have a massive data science team on the back end that's really looking at a lot of data and that can do good risk scoring and things of that nature. Um, but I'm not going to ask you for 12 different forms of government ID if I don't have to. Right.
1: Yeah. But is that regulatory stuff, is it getting worse? Like, do you see it getting worse? Cause that's a, that's a thing that a lot of Bitcoin people worry about.
0: I don't think that I would ever answer a question that says that government overreach is getting, is not as bad. <laughs> I think it yeah, always gets enough. worse every year, uh, just as <laughs> yeah, my fair own personal political opinions and backgrounds and things like that. I think you know, and any, any reach is overreach. Um, but to be honest, it's been fairly stable. Um, we don't see a lot of requirements going up. We don't see more and more collateral being required, um, at least for now. It's always subject to change, but I'm optimistic.
1: Yeah. All right. Listen, before we finish, I do want to switch switch up. Well, actually, a couple of questions first. Like, you obviously added Bitcoin. You see it growing, but like, how, like, just so people understand, how important is Bitcoin becoming? Like, for how, me like or within for our your business? business, in the business? No, within your business. Like, what kind of indication are you getting of market interest from the interest you're seeing within your business?
0: The crypto-specific customers that we service in aggregate, um, Mm -hmm. we see payment volumes increasing total between 20 to 80% month over month.
1: Whoa, dude. What? Yeah.
0: Wow. People are really getting into it. The liquidity that we're providing, everything's growing massively month over month. And part of that is New customers, always, right? New people switching to our infrastructure from BitGo, from Paxos, from these other folks. Maybe I shouldn't be naming them. I don't really know. Um, But, you know, we definitely see a lot of that. Um, But then we also see basically every customer that we have in the crypto space growing month over month consistently as well. So you put those two things together and just crypto is taking off.
1: Wow. But you think, but it's primarily Bitcoin, right?
0: It's primarily Bitcoin. Yeah. I think if... Yeah. You know, we're definitely not stripping it down to just one token, right? That defeats my entire personal um, libertarian viewpoints of enabling whatever you want to buy and whatever you want to transact in and not picking for you. Um, but if we had to, you know, Bitcoin's by far the majority of our of our transaction volume. Whether it's mm. some of the custody stuff that we do like BitGo or some of the other things, it's it's Bitcoin.
1: All right. Well, listen, the last subject I can't leave without talking to you about because we're like was it like three weeks away from an election and you might not want to talk about it but (laughs) i always kind of i always find it interesting to talk to libertarians about it because there are i find there's a couple of types of libertarians there's those who just have no interest in politics at all but there are libertarians who feel like no you've got to work within the political sphere to try and change things so there is a libertarian party which itself in some ways, is like a contradiction itself, but I understand I understand it. Where, where are you on that spectrum, and and do you? How do you feel about this upcoming election, or do you not give a fuck?
0: It's hard for me to give a fuck, to be honest with you, Peter. It's <laughs> I don't know why. And the thing that I do not understand about politics, and I'm I'm sure if you sit there and you think about it for long enough, it's something about the incentive systems or things like that. But I feel like every time we have an election, I'm choosing from who is the least moronic of two complete morons that's what i feel like i'm always choosing between and yeah. i don't understand even more so this time even more so this time and i don't understand why you know the us or really any other country that has a strong population where are you always trying to figure out who's who's less of a moron why are you trying to figure out who's actually positive for things and um speaking in the crypto space i know brock pierce is running for president um, of the united states which is very exciting um i I love Brock, but I don't think he has a chance in hell. But, you know, I am excited that someone's at least doing something. Um, but between kind of, you know, the, the two main candidates, it's I don't really plan on voting this year. I have, haven't really voted recently and I don't really plan to because honestly, I don't fucking care. I'm <laughs> going you know, to buy my Bitcoin, find a nice island. <laughs> and that'll be the rest of my. <laughs> that's your vote, things. is it? Yeah, exactly. Bitcoin thing's is your eventually. vote out.
1: Well, that's a lot of people are saying. I vote. I vote out with Bitcoin. I uh, I didn't vote in the last UK election, um, and I think what it is is that I'd always voted, and I tended to vote for a party, and traditionally I voted Conservative. Um, but this election, uh, yeah, a bit older and a bit wiser. I was like, oh, who are the candidates? I was like, and it was similar. It's like, who's the worst of the two morons? We yeah. had, we had a yeah, an arguable Marxist and. Um, a posh top, and neither were, were a good option i was like Do you know what? i'm just not gonna fucking vote and i know like some people say yeah democracy is <laughs> is the best option we have i can't remember what churchill's quote was but um was it the best it's the it's the terrible system but it's the best we have and other people saying if you don't vote you're not like you, you don't have a right to speak but i just felt so disenfranchised with it just the whole process I I guess that's what you're feeling.
0: I feel like I can't can't vote for one in good conscience. I guess the reason I feel that way is because I think some people view it as voting for one means actively not voting for the other. For me, voting for one means endorsing that person. (laughs) I can tell you I'm not endorsing any of the two people. I can't do it. I can't do it. That's fair enough, man. But
1: listen, look, Kevin, it's great to talk to you. Really appreciate you explaining all this like rail stuff to me. A lot of it I wasn't aware of. So, what, Just, just for people listening, like, what kind of, what kind of person should be looking at your business? Who do you want to get in touch, and how do they get hold of you guys?
0: For us, it's mostly people that are looking to build fintech apps, and right now the focus yeah. is mainly blockchain. So it's it's exchanges that need payment rails. It's folks, um, folks like Swan. Um, they're getting you know some hype now in the crypto space. They're currently using Prime Trust liquidity for their Bitcoin. Um, nice. You know, people building on ramps, people building exchanges, people who want to add liquidity to their existing things, right? So if you've got a great wallet service or something like that, it's great for, you know, holding holding a crypto, but why would somebody then go buy on Binance or someplace else and go transfer to you? Why can't they just buy right in your app, right? We can enable a lot of those sorts of things. Um, those are probably the most interesting folks. We've got some case studies um, kind of up on on PrimeTrust.com that give folks some idea of what they can build on top of our infrastructure. But um, yeah, we're we're always around. We've got a few folks reaching out to people, and um, you know, there's contact info on the website. There's I think info at PrimeTrust.com or whatever it is. But uh, we try to be pretty easy to get a hold of.
1: all right man. Well, listen, look, Kevin, it's great to meet you. Hopefully, at some point when the planes are flying, we can uh, we can go hang out in Nevada somewhere and grab a beer and maybe grab a steak and. Um enjoy the shit show at early November. I'm sure you'll be watching it like entertainment.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Seriously though, if you're ever out here, let me know. Feel free to swing by. We're happy to host you and have some drinks, do some do some other activities and enjoy uh Nevada.
1: Yeah, man. Alright, well take care, buddy. And if you're ever this way if you're ever in London, I'll go and show you all the empty shops that you can't go in at the moment. And, uh, I do know a good steak place. But listen, look, all the best, Kevin. You take care and you reach out to me if you ever need anything.
0: Sounds good. Thanks, Peter.
1: All right. What did you think of that one? Now, I know you all saw the PayPal news because it was debated so much on Twitter and not everyone thinks it's a good thing, but I do think it's an interesting part of the Bitcoin movement at the moment and certainly something that's worth discussing. So it's great to get Kevin on. Now, there are a wide range of companies in the space supporting Bitcoin, all from very different angles. You've got people like Cash App who allow you to buy Bitcoin and then Self Custody, which is more aligned with what we expect for Bitcoin. And and then you have the apps that give you exposure to it. Um, I'll be interested to see The way PayPal are doing it, it seems a little bit different, but maybe for some people that's better. I know some people won't like it. Now, I do think this is an area that is moving quickly. And over the next few years, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more companies jumping in and get involved in Bitcoin. So having some of this background for Kevin has has been really useful. So I hope you like this one. As I said, if you've got any questions, you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at did.com. And like I say, I reply to everyone. I write the emails myself. So do feel free to reach out to me. And look, if you want to support the show, I've been asking every week. Just a review on iTunes right now. That really, really helps the show. It helps with the listing, so it takes about two minutes. And I've been seeing them come in, so thank you so much. I've seen a couple of shitty ones, so uh, yeah, no thanks to you. But uh, generally speaking, they've all been really positive. So if you want to do that, as a two-minute job, and I really, really do appreciate it. Outside of that, please do go and check out my other show, Defiance. Is smashing it right now. The show numbers last, well, the show numbers for this month actually they're they're ahead of uh, what Bitcoin did as an average per show. We've got the final part of my Ghislaine Maxwell series next week, and also we've got the first part of my new series, which was kind of feels like it's about Donald Trump, and it is, but it isn't. It's about divisiveness. It's about finding truth and and uh, objective fact-finding in news. It's it's kind of a complicated story, but also a simple story, I think. Anyway, that starts next week, so go and check out the trailer. That's all at defiance.news. It's my birthday this weekend, and I'm going to have a pizza and eat loads of chocolate. So think of me while you're out there celebrating Halloween. Love you all. Thanks for all the support you give the show, and I will see you all next week.